Service Transformation, Reinventing Service for Clients and Employees, hosted by Will Lombardi and Fred Jumbukeshwaran. Welcome to episode two. To start, I want to wish everyone a happy new year, happy 2024. Um, and I'm going to share one of the things I'm excited about this year is, is and is sort of part of my goals for the year, is really getting a chance to contribute to this podcast, be part of the podcast, learn from our guests, learn how to co-host a podcast with you, Will, and build up that new experience together. And what about yourself? Do you have anything, new resolutions for 2024? Yeah, well, yeah. Happy New Year. Ditto on that. And, you know, I I was reading this a while ago, and I really love this philosophy. I really separate resolution from goals, and you kind of did the same thing. And, you know, for me, and it's just, it's nice as we're launching this podcast, for me, the resolution is is like, how do we continue to make service better in the universe, Right. Um, at the same time, our goals is more around like, you know, how do we learn from, you know, our future guests and each other, but how do we also give our experiences out to broader people so they can learn and be better leaders and be better, create better transformation for their companies and their environment. So nothing better than using this platform to do it. I I think the, the personal goal is continue to get a little more comfortable to be a better person and leader and, this is part of that. Like I've never done a podcast and this is a little uncomfortable. So we're learning together, Will. This is good. So today's topic, uh, we are going to delve into what is one of these fundamental tensions in transformations and service transformations that Will and I have encountered uh, and talked about. And that's really about how do you manage running your business while trying to transform? How do you sort of balance those two sets of priorities and manage that tension. Like, how do you think about that? And then flowing from there, we'll talk a little bit about organizations and we'll talk a little bit about creating capacity for change. Now, some of those are pretty big topics. So we're going to just touch on them a little bit lightly now. And as our series develops and, and we have other guests on more opportunities, we'll get a chance to dig deeper into some of these, some of these various topics. So we'll, you know, as leaders have to balance running their business and transforming the business? Like, how do you think about it in your experience and the things you've encountered in, in your uh, your background? Yeah, I, I love this this first topic around tension because I think what you said, Fred, is, is can't be uh, looked past or walked past. Is As a leader, if you're thinking about transformation, if you're in transformation, you need to identify two key tension points. For me... You know, the the big one is what you talked about is this kind of balancing running the business and the performance of today and tomorrow with this transform that you have set out, this big design, this big strategy. And if I just focus on the, you know, the the fundamentals of running the business, if, you know, in my experience, there hasn't been... A, I, if I had to do it over again, I would have put more focus on making sure the fundamentals are sound enough. And the reason is because your transformation will run into a lot of issues, whether through change, implementation, even design and information, if you're not running a fundamentally sound service and operations environment, right? Um, it will, if you can don't, I, yeah, go ahead. Can I jump in with when you think about fundamentals in service and operations for those yeah. of us? Uh, maybe listening what what comes to mind what is a good example of some some core fundamentals in service yeah it's you know i there's a lot of ways to think about this but 
I'd be remiss not to think about like use our what we talked about in our first episode, our five point approach. It's just to me, it's it's a very good way to as a leader have a well-rounded way of of assessing and probing your environment. So, you know, just as a summary of that, you know, you get culture, talent, process, technology, and data, right? And you don't have to go deep in all of these, but using that that framework and that mindset and approaching your existing environment and asking questions, like especially around that culture process and talent, right? Is the process inhibiting or handicapping the human side of the experience and process, right? Do you culturally, are you empowering your frontline and your managers and lead and, and, and service professionals to solve client problems? Are you creating homework for the client? Like, are you creating additional effort that's unneeded, right? Because you're only giving certain resolution that can be done on a first contact, right? Are you, do you have the right metrics in place? I think metrics data information is so important. Are our frontline and our leaders clear on the accountability that, that they have and what they're being held accountable for? First contact resolution versus average handle time. Like I've seen the unintended consequences of, quickly get off the phone, quickly get through the process. Well, all you're doing is creating homework for the client. The client's going to call back. You're now starting to disengage the client. Um, or and, and take hospitality industry like as a good as another good example. Like many of us travel. We talked about this, right? We travel, right? Uh, airlines never aren't always on time. You get to your destination, your hotel, you're exhausted. You've been through transfers. You're already mm -hmm. traveling and exhausted. You get to the front desk and you just want a bottle of water or, or a snack or something. And the interaction is, well, it's a $7 bottle of water. So it's like, that is a bad experience. And that just means the culture and the process is inhibiting that service professional to say, here's a bottle of water. And that experience of just walking from the front desk to your room with a bottle of water has completely created. And that's all around the fundamentals. Right? Are your policies on top of policies, on top of process, inhibiting those type of experiences? So I think things like that and the clarity and accountability around fundamentals um, and allowing uh, uh, your employees and, and your managers and your leaders to make slight adjustments is really key. So that's, it's interesting because you talk about that. I'm going to, I'm going to quote yourself back to yeah. you. Um, but some of that stuff, because you, you've talked about the little T and big T. And it, mm -hmm. it almost sounds the way you talk about fundamentals is its own like little t transformation right yeah. there. It's, that's you're, you're spot on. I and I love using those. I we talk about big S and little S too in service and big T and little t because to me it's a simple way of saying there's not one area that does one thing. Like especially in transformation service operations, like you want to empower your complete environment, and you don't always have to do the big bang splash changes. So yeah, innovation, little 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 tweaks here and there, little re-engineering, and allowing your managers and 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 frontline professionals to be empowered to do that, man, creates such a big, such an awesome impact. But it also prepares your environment for the big T transformation. Like You're that. creating a culture of, hey, think differently, try something. Um, there's a there's a great quote. I don't know, Fred, if you do like obstacle courses or running and stuff, but I don't know if you know the Tough Mudder. But Tough Mudder is like this 12, it's usually like a 12-mile obstacle course 
I did a couple of them. And and to be successful, you have to run it as a team. It's not an individual. You can run as an individual, but you won't be as successful because there's a lot of obstacles. You need teamwork. A couple of them are there's some electrocution involved, but it's nothing. Yeah, it's pretty intense, but you can Google this, but they have a great model. And it's, have you ever tried something once? And you think about that. That's like, to your point, little T transformation to prepare for big T transformation. So if you're creating a culture where people, it's okay to try something once because you're not sure if this is the right process, is this the right experience? And you as an employee, as a professional, you're closer to that work and you're seeing it day in and day out. You That goes back to that culture of empowerment and and allowing some grace. So yeah, that, I mean, there's, I think you get two benefits to kind of summarize. I think you get two benefits from that little T to your point. One is you, you you're going to create some better ways of doing things, right? And, and it doesn't take a lot of work, effort, resources, right? And then you can manifest that throughout your environment by peer to peer coaching and, and, and solicitation almost. But at the same time, you're creating a culture that accepts change and transformation better. Yes. Right. And I, and I imagine you, it, it it probably helps you build a lot of respect and credibility with your operations teams, right? Because they see yeah. you care about the fundamentals in their day to day, and I'm sure that, that goodwill will help you with the transformation. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna push on. I'm gonna push on an, two extreme sides of this, and I want to get your kind of reactions to it. Um, so one extreme side is well, if my fundamentals need a lot of work, should my transformation just wait? How do you think about that? If you're like, okay, you come in and you're like, well, this is a, maybe a burning platform kind of a situation, or this is, you know, there's a lot of problems here. Should I be like, you know what? Now's not time for a transformation. Let me just focus on fundamentals. Yeah, I, um, it's a, it's a good challenging question. Um, I will, you know, I, I think my, I have a point of view through my experience here that you have to be able to do both. And you have to be able, and it's all going to depend on your like your environment, your industry, your company. So that's always got to be a qualifier. So I'm working through, I'm answering this through my experience and what I've seen. And I think you have to be able to do both. I do think you have to continue to nurture the fundamentals. You can't take your eye off the fundamentals because that can derail your transformation. So I think you have to always have some investment in resources you know, secured to continue to do fundamentals. And as leaders, you got to be really clear to your leaders, the fundamentals are always going to be important. Nothing is ever on autopilot. At the same time, you need that transformation because if you're standing still, you're going to die a painful, a slow and painful death, right? So you got to continue to improve and reinvent, right? In, in a bigger, in, some, in a lot of times in bigger ways, you also got to align to the company's strategy and transformation. So that, so you have to be able to do both and it's really, really um, important. And, uh, you know, my my son, my my youngest son, 10, 11 years old, is Michael Jordan, MJ is his favorite player, basketball player, which is just awesome to have someone that young in today's world, like admire somebody in the 90s that was the GOAT. But, you know, he has a great saying, and I'm probably going to get it wrong around fundamentals. Fundamentals don't change. It's the attention to fundamentals that change. And I think if you take your eye off the ball, on fundamentals, you're going to, in my experience is you're going to run into a lot of issues when you're doing big transformation. So you need to secure 
every year, every quarter, certain resources, attention and accountability around fundamentals and making sure you're continuing to manage that while you're making this change. It's not easy, by the way. It's really hard. Uh, your thoughts I'll, on that? I mean, you you you've seen it in especially in the technology area, Fred. Oh yeah, I'll I'll say and, and sort of zoom out and be like, look, your our competitors, your competitors aren't likely waiting for you to fix your right. fundamentals. It's like the transformation is you part of the reasons you're likely doing it is is to stay market competitive, stay ahead of your competitors, enter new markets. Those opportunities aren't going to wait for you to fix everything. So I'm, I agree with you. I think it. I think it's reasonable to say, look, I need I need some time to assess. You talked about sort of understanding your your situation. Like have a current state assessment. Under be transparent about where you are. Be transparent on the gaps on your fundamentals. But look at how do you start making traction towards that broader transformation? Because it's yeah. my assumption is that it's in support of a business strategy that you need to enable, and that's kind of why you're there. So it, it's yeah. it, it a little bit has. I feel like both have to be done. But be honest with everyone on where you are and that you have some fundamental problems that need to be tackled. And by tackling those, you're actually going to create that little T transformation and make it easier for the big T transformation to happen over time. As another word of T is trust. You're creating a trust bank to earn your right to do the big T transformation. You're proving the quick wins. It's like the first 90 days book and you're, you're proving your your wins, you're earning the trust, you're creating this brand that you can do the big T's. But also going back to our earlier point, those those small T transformations, those re-engineerings that are creating better processes, better experiences can be foundational information that helps you design the big yes. T transformation. You can learn, especially if you're new to the organization, about the, the systems, the data, the company, the processes, the people through those improving of fundamentals to arm you and equip you for the big T transformation. Um, it, it also create you going back to the fundamentals. I'm big on like accountability and metrics and clarity. And if you realize you don't have the right set of metrics that are creating the right set of accountability, you know, like we talked about first contact resolution versus average handle time like as an example. Like if you realize you don't have that, that actually that information helps you get into what is the scorecard and the scoreboard of the future for transformation? Because if you're not measuring it and you can't measure the 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 change in your transformation, it's not going to work really well from a sustainment and scale standpoint. That's a great call out on metrics. And I'm going to double down on your points of clarity and accountability and add communication. Because I think metrics provide a really powerful tool to communicate to your teams, to your peers and colleagues, and the leadership in terms of how you're defining success. So now your peers and leaders, they understand how they can help you achieve your outcomes. Your teams, they understand what metrics to drive to get to the outcomes you're trying to achieve. And one example that comes to mind on how metrics can help drive that clarity can serve as a communication tool and just help demystify is let's say you're trying to improve your software engineering organization's performance how efficient and optimized the engineering teams are. It's a reasonable goal. But like, how do you do it? How do you give your teams actionable direction on your expectations of their performance? So one of the tools you can use are actually a set of metrics from DORA. DORA stands for the DevOps Research Assessment, and they've identified four metrics that are indicative of high-performing DevOps teams. 
So these are really good metrics for a software engineering organization to consider. And what are the four? Well, there's deployment frequency, there's lead time for change, there's change failure rate, and there's time to restore service. So this gives you four metrics that the engineering teams can understand and they can use to improve their performance. And then together, the entire software engineering organization's performance. So Fred, I, I really like how you put that those three together and then those components uh, of, of a good metric environment. So sounds great in theory. Can you give us an idea of what that looks like in practical application in practice? So in practice, what does that look like? Well, maybe one of the engineering teams, they look at their metrics and they see relative to the rest of the organization, they have a high change failure rate. Well, that's an important signal for them. Now they can go look at their quality processes and see what can we do to improve that so that we can prevent breakages or prevent incidents when we deploy to production. Meanwhile, for another team, they look and they see that, hey, they have a low deployment frequency relative to the rest of the software engineering organization. Well, that's a signal for them to go look and see what's going on. What can they do to improve that deployment frequency? They can focus on automation of their pipelines. They can focus on automation of their deployment processes. They can focus on automation of testing. So what you can see is that this approach allows different engineering teams in the same engineering organization to identify what their biggest contributor will be to the overall goal. So it's just a really good example of how well-defined metrics can be an effective tool to support a transformation. Will, how about you? In the operation space, can you give me an example of a metric that you would look for in your environment? The, the big one for me was productivity. Uh, every time I was doing a transformation strategy, I always dug into what was the definition of productivity. I always challenged not only my leaders, like, like the, the leaders that were reporting to me, my own leader that I reported to, but also my peers. And I constantly got these different definitions of productivity. And then going into the CFO and the chief financial office and saying, what does productivity look like? And you get all these different versions of productivity. What's interesting is first land on a good definition or two of productivity in your existing business and your fundamentals, and then agree to what productivity, how productivity looks differently in your transformation. Because if it doesn't, then you're not truly pushing the envelope in your transformation. An example, quick example of that is productivity could simply be cost of labor. How, how many people I have, my salaries and benefits over the work I'm getting done, where it could be like total transactions. Hopefully you're in more mature areas. You're looking at outcomes, you know, revenue coming in, policies saved, you know, business saved, deeper business, something like that, right? Or it could be, you know, very transactionally based productivity of, you know, are you doing 25, 35 phone calls a day? Are you doing, you know, 15 cases where you're in claims or in back office? That could be productivity too. It's the production of the work being done. But as you become, create more transformation and you, you create more integration, which I did a lot of integrating my service professional skills and integrating the process and the work to create end-to-end -end service experiences, Productivity has to look differently because one day I'm being measured by my phone calls, but then the next day I'm doing back office, or I could be doing phone calls and back office the same day. And I'm only being measured by how many phone calls I took, but half of my day was measured by some cases I was doing or some reaching out to clients. And I wasn't measuring that. All right. So you always got to look at, are you truly measuring end to end productivity 
of your professionals or your digital experience. So, Will, I could see a future episode where we just talked about metrics, balanced scorecards, and, and, and how to think about it, because I think it's a really good topic that you can create a lot of value on it and help dig into. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if I, had to, if I had to make a pithy summary of, of mm. how do I think about running the business and transforming, I think I could safely say in our experience, you can lose on running the business. You're not going to win without a transformation. So like, oh, I love I that. Get them both. Love that. That's a good takeaway. So with that, I wanted to shift a little bit and get a, get a little bit of your thoughts on organization. Like we've, you know, I've seen, we've seen lots of different ways companies organize. And one of the things I'd love to, to get your thoughts on is when we think about running the business and transforming the business, you know, should they be separate leaders? Should they be a combined leadership? Is there, you know, how do, how do you think about um, that? that set of responsibilities. Um, and I can, yeah. share, I can share my thoughts. As well. Yeah. I would love your thoughts on this too, because I think we have some similar, you know, backgrounds and experience in this, whether it's technology service operations, I think there, there's so much cross leveraging and fertilization that goes on in that space. But, you know, I always like to the bottom line up front and, and my bottom line up front is I'm supported by my experience and just my point of view. Doesn't mean it's right, wrong, or indifferent because it again it goes back to depends on environment company industry I always like to qualify that as i go into this because this will help us you know debate and conversate with a lot of our guests and our audience around their points of view but bottom line up front it has to be one organization of reporting into one leader and i qualify this as you know, I'm thinking of as an exec your your question as an executive level, not necessarily yes. senior executive, but executive level, and that could be a VP, SVP. You know, I I I don't know depending on your company, but for me, it's that executive level. They have to both report in to the one because there's a lot of synergies that happen, and there's a lot of artificial, unnecessary barriers and headwinds that happen if they don't. You know, I'll keep it tight, but. There's one aspect of, and we've all been there, is what's that clandestine operation going on over there? Who are those? And then when you get picked for it, it's like, oh, that person is like the the golden child, right? And their career is going to take off because they got handpicked out of our organization to go work on that clandestine operation or that sexy transformation. Um, the other part is when you pull a lot of a lot of those resources come from your, your you know your existing operations your and you're pulling those resources they're being slowly but surely less relevant to what's really going on like we talked about earlier in those fundamentals especially if you're doing small t transformation in those fundamentals they're not keeping up with that and so one thing i've always done is keeping it together is creating this talent rotation and creating the right expectation just because you rotate into one area doesn't necessarily guarantee you a promotion or a career move. It makes you a better professional and build your resume. So you go to that next move that you're interested in, but it doesn't guarantee it. And that's really, really important because I've been in environments where we create these rotations and then you're dealing with employees that are disengaged because I did all this work and kind of was, it was implied I was going to get promoted. You got to be really careful of that, but not to go off and digress through that. But these rotational roles right? To say, what's going on in this transformation? How are we thinking about it? And, and and are we thinking about all the different angles and right way, but also moving those folks back into the fundamentals and running the business and saying, what's changed? What are we hearing from the client? What are we hearing from my teammates, my employees? How are my managers working and thinking? So those type of that, like keeping that 
together, I think is really important. And then the second part, and I'll kind of hand it off to you, Fred, is like leaders, especially at the executive level of tomorrow, just like we talk about, I think business leaders need to be technologists and I think technologists need to be business leaders. The days of separating those skill sets at executive levels, I hope like are, are, are gone. And so the same thing, if I use that same philosophy, the same thing, I think leaders at executive level need to run the business and be have the business acumen of running the business, but also be change agents and strategic thinkers and visionaries, yes. right? So visionaries and integrators at the same time, because those are some of the great CEOs, great COOs. Like those are some of the great C-suite leaders that know how to do both. And I think as an executive, you got to start challenging that you have the right talent there to do that. I don't know, your thoughts? I think that was really good and insightful, Will. My thoughts, and I'm going to take it a little bit from a systems perspective. If you're thinking like, okay, we're going to build some brand new system over here, and that's a separate group. What it, what the concerns that I would would have would be that, you know, the new systems would be new technology, maybe leveraging AI and some advanced cloud capabilities. And the teams that are running the existing business, that's generating the, the revenue and, and, and operations and everything that kind of fuels the, the organization are probably dealing with older legacy technology, older systems. Um, and they're going to feel a sense of like, hold on, they're getting reskilled on all this new technology. They're being left out. Where's their career going? I think that leads to things like attrition, right? Where the existing teams are like, well, you know what? If my if I'm at a dead end here, you're going to build a new system with a new team and I'm over here maintaining the old one until it goes away, then what? And I think you as a leader need to give them a path forward. Be like, look, we want you actually to help be part of this new thing. And we're going to gradually transition you over as the workload shifts. And we're going to give you some training. So I think it's important they feel together. They feel part of one, one team and one organization. Um, the other benefit of it is that the people running the business understand the data. They understand the systems. They understand the integrations. They can bring all that knowledge forward as the new systems are designed. Um, because it can get easy to kind of, when you zoom out and say, I just want to build a new system, it's, it can get, it can sound simpler. Once you get into building it, it ends up getting, you end up discovering lots of new requirements and complexities that you didn't anticipate. And those folks who are running the systems, who are caring for the existing business, they understand a lot of that. And you, that knowledge, I think is really valuable for you as you're building the new, uh, systems and you're building and you're driving and supporting the, the transformation through technology. So I'm, I'm a fan of keeping them at least aligned under the same like technology leaders. So the resources yeah. can move back and forth and their careers can be managed holistically between sort of the new technology and sort of the legacy technology. It, it's, it's just like what you do creates more value as a leader. Like the things we talked about earlier, the culture of small T transformation, big T transformation, empowering transparency of the end, the larger goal, the end goal. As a leader, you actually don't have to work that hard. <laughs> if when you say one thing, people interpret it into their space, right? With a shared consciousness, a shared understanding. And then I think even what you were saying about in the technology versus service operation environment is when Peter Peters are working, like when executives in technology and executives in the business and service are working together, it's a much easier um, uh, partnership, right? Than having to have all of these different separate outcomes that you have to deal with. So um, creating that culture of, of uh, one mission, one team um, is just so much easier when your executives can be accountable for both. <clears throat> I, I like the, I like ending on that note of it's one mission. Cause when you, if you keep them in the same organization, that whole organization has a mission, run the business successfully and move it and transition into the future. 
and they all shift together. I think that togetherness is super powerful. Um, yep. So that's a great, a great way to kind of, uh, kind of summarize. I think this discussion around how do we think about the organization. One last piece I want to get to, uh, Will is, is capacity. One of the things mm -hmm. that you know I've seen, we've talked about, is how organizations. How do you create capacity to drive change? How do you create capacity to drive a digital transformation? And there's lots of, this is a very deep topic, but one thing I wanted to do is love to get your thoughts on maybe a few ideas on how you've created capacity for transformation. Yeah, I think this kind of pivots nicely into the organizational conversation we are just having, because one thing I've seen when you're trying to create capacity, especially for transformation, whether it's small or big, is this peer-to-peer -peer negotiation of resources. Right. It's like, hey, I need your subject matter experts that are running your operations to come work on my projects, right? And to do this, this big transformation, these big delivery projects. And there's always this negotiation. And it's it's really hard, no matter how great your culture is. By the way, I've been in some great cultures, and I know you have too, where like the executives just are we work so well together and we have like larger needs of mission and and when it's very uh, selfless. Like even those great cultures, it's still hard to negotiate resources and, and create capacity when you have so many separate organizations. So if you think about that rotating, rotational model you talked about and I talked about, right, and, and moving your subject matter experts and your performers into those different environments, right, to be able to move resources, first of all, is a lot easier if you're negotiating with yourself, mm -hmm. right? And it's saying, a lot easier. I'm going to move these, right? But the second part is creating like incentives and having the folks that are closer to the work come up with ideas that create capacity, you know? And again, whether it's a process thing, whether it's, you know, a skill set, like I can do additional things that I'm just not doing today. And so one of the examples I brought up more culturally was, in, in one of my leadership roles is I created this like pennies for progress. And, you know, I told my, all my employees, a large employee base, I said, look, we're going to create this pennies. We're going to incentivize you to come up with ideas that are, have very small wins, like pennies. They don't have to be big dollars, big, you know, um, return on investment or return on value or, or big cost savings. They can be pennies. And you create this incentive all the way from the front line all the way up to the executives and let them come up with the engineering ideas of things, you know. And one of those is when I was integrating my back office with my front office and I let them sit next to each other and, and right outside my office, I could hear them talking and I hear words like, oh, if I do this, then that creates work for you to do that. Well, why don't I just stop doing that? That's not really work I need to be doing. And I don't know why I do it. It was just told to me I had to do it. Right. And like zombie it's, processes at work. But as a leader, when you're hearing that, you're like, oh, this is beautiful. Why don't I just step out of the way and let these folks innovate themselves into better progress? And when they're creating progress, they're creating capacity. And when you're creating capacity, then you create opportunities to rotate people, to do more work with the resources that are given to you. And and I know people are probably listening, like, yeah, this uh, it's easier said than done. I, I, I just want to, I've been there. I've been in many different complex service operation environments and I've been on both sides of the table. I've been a naysayer and I've been an optimist. And so it, it can be done if it's very purposeful. Uh, your oh, thoughts. I'm, I'm, yeah, so this is actually cool because it, it all sort of connects together. Like focus on the fundamentals, drive the little T transformation, 
create an organization that unites your change, your transformation, and your running of the business. And what starts to happen is your leaders, I think your engineering leaders, I'm thinking technology, your technology leaders can now have the air cover to focus on improving some foundational things that are likely sapping capacity. Or if they're focusing yeah. on fundamentals, yeah. they're improving stability. Or maybe they're automating their deployment systems. Maybe they're improving quality. All those things create capacity in the system, which then allow you then and if you and and by combining the teams or combining that capacity in the same pool, you can now redeploy some of that capacity at the transformation. So it actually kind of all neatly kind of fits together yeah. um, to tell the story of how you know focusing on fundamentals can create capacity and keeping the organization united can allow you to redeploy that capacity. I, I love how you connected all three, by the way, so naturally, because that's how it should sound and, and work, right? Is you break these up and it's even our five point plan. You break these up and then you bring them back together and you see how it all comes together. I love how you did that. The last thing I would say is I, I, I'm still going to hit on this culture. And I've been in environments and you have too, where the word efficiency is like a four letter word. And people get really scared, right? When they hear efficiency, they think cost cutting, they think, you know, uh, workforce uh, downsizing and stuff. And basically all we're saying is don't say efficiency and do it by these different words of like capacity, because capacity means more to an employee and a manager than efficiency, right? And so these nuances of don't state like these basic things, be more focused and purposeful and more human in when you're approaching this. Well, that's a good call out on the use of language and really just being human, because I can totally see how folks can interpret when you lead with a term like efficiency, there's just another way of saying you're looking for cost cutting and that you're looking to take some of Jared jobs out of the system versus a message of we want to create capacity for change. And efficiency is one of the ways of getting there because it frees up some of your time, some of the team's time, so they can help be part of the change, which I see as a message that'll get more excitement, buy-in and support than just efficiency. So connecting back to earlier, this is an opportunity when you're driving that efficiency to create capacity, to work closely and engage your teams to identify and stop the unneeded processes, like that zombie process you mentioned earlier or drive automation, or even find innovative new solutions and simplifications to existing workflows and business processes, pushing what you call those pennies for progress. So to me, if done right, the drive for efficiency to create capacity can be an effective way to get your people behind and supporting your little T transformation. That goes back to your organization. If you have both organizations and you're transparent with both, they all have one that going back to that one mission, one objective, and it, that transparency and that psychological safety of like being able to speak up is is just so powerful. <clears throat> so that wraps us up, Will, for episode two. Um, wow. Just to, to to forecast what's coming next, we actually are starting to line up guests. So our next podcast, we actually will be having a guest. So it won't be just the two of us. It'll be the two of us plus one. Um, and then more to come from there. With that, we, we want to continue to hear from you. So you'll find our LinkedIn profiles in, in the description. Please feel free to, to message us with any feedback on the episode, topics you want to discuss, or if you want to be a guest on the program. Yep. Thank, Thank you for listening. Today. Thanks for listening.